You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, Italy voted in a conservative prime minister, Georgia Maloney, and I just am thrilled about this. I, I've read a lot about her and what she believes in, and despite people that didn't want her elected calling her a fascist, she's the furthest thing from being a fascist. You know, the, the thing that I really like about her is that she is a family first kind of person, and I, that just so resonates with me. And I really wish that America would go that direction again. So what she said, word for word, is worth repeating. She says, why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There is a single answer to all these questions, because it defines us, because it is our identity, because everything that defines us is now an enemy for those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. Ladies, I mean, that's all you need to say. She's, she's amazing. I'm so proud of Italy for going in this direction after having male socialists for so many years. They have hired a conservative female prime minister. Well, honestly, Linda, I only started reading about, I don't know so much about the history of Italy's politics, but I did, it did, it did strike my interest and I, I was reading about her and it sounds like she's almost like the populist president there. The populist she is a populist. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's, it almost sounds like exactly what we need here. Um, you're a hundred percent right that, you know, it, it she, she kind of goes back to traditional family values. It's a conservative viewpoint. She does say that she is not a fascist, even though her party descended from the fascists. Um, and so I also agree that it's a breath of fresh air. I wonder if it is a sign of things to come because what was going on in Italy is not so different than what was going, what, what is going on here. So it's interesting that they did vote her in. I wonder if we're going to have a candidate that can do that. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned it. If uh, if if this if Italy's election is is a harbinger of things to come, because um, Maloney and she, she actually comes from a working class background. She worked as a waitress and as a nanny um, be before becoming a politician. Um, but she, uh, you know, Liz Truss was just elected. Well, I think that she wants she's calling for an election in 2024, but she proceeds Boris Johnson as UK prime minister. Um, and she's also a conservative, yet comes to her politics from a different perspective, I believe, than than uh, than Italy's new prime minister. While um, Maroni, Maloney, excuse me comes from it from a family values uh, standpoint. Um, she's pro-life. Uh, she opposes same-sex marriage. Liz Truss has really emphasized more of the economics of the UK. 
Um, and she actually grew up to left-wing parents and joined the Conservative Party in 1996. She has emphasized military spending. She appears to be more hawkish on Russia and China. Uh, so, you know, she, she's, she's really campaigning. She, has, she campaigned more on economic policy and also on the energy crisis caused by the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, British households now are facing huge increases in their energy bills. And uh, she wants to prevent a recession later this year. So she's introduced this bailout program. She wants to cut taxes. She wants to cap the cost of energy for businesses. And she's known to be assertive. Um, another thing that she has mentioned, she's skeptical of the Iran nuclear agreement. So I'm hopeful that she can be the voice of reason at, at the table when negotiating with Iran. Um, I know she met with Biden at the UN generals during the UN General Assembly last week. She was actually supposed to meet with him during Queen Elizabeth's funeral, but canceled her meeting with Biden, but kept other appointments uh, like the one with Trudeau in Canada. So I, you know, I'm not sure if that's telling um, that you know, she canceled her meeting with Biden, but kept her other meetings. But uh, but but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, Italy and and the UK uh, have some strong female conservatives as their leaders now. And the, uh, the other thing that I heard about uh, the UK prime minister is that she really is kind of a believer in Reaganomics. So I thought that that was interesting that they actually mentioned Reaganomics and both of them are wanting to curb the out-of-control immigration into their countries, uh, Italy certainly from the southern border and all the boats that are uh, coming through, depositing thousands of people on, on their southern border. And then um, England, of course, has, has lots and lots of uh, immigration coming in there too. So it was interesting too, just as an aside, that when I was in Italy, they are, especially in Greece, they really resented, not so much Italy, but more Greece, resented that uh, Britain did Brexit. They felt that they should stay. And I thought that that was interesting because my feeling by talking to the people there was that, um, see, they were the beneficiary of places like England uh, and they uh, having to pay for their defaults. And th that, of course, is the reason that Great Britain wanted to get out of the whole Euro European agreement there, because they had to keep paying for people that couldn't pay for themselves. And then when they did ante up the money, the people did it again. So they, they just got tired of that. So it was interesting to see the, the, the people in Europe that had been benefiting by the money from Great Britain, Britain who no longer are are kind of mad about that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, it's okay. interesting. You mentioned Reaganomics. Um, she has, you know, we remember looking back that close relationship between uh, Margaret Thatcher, who was uh, the UK's prime minister during Reagan's, during the Reagan era and, and their close friendship. And she, a lot of people have made the comparison uh, between Liz Truss and, and Margaret Thatcher. And again, she, she's really, really focused on, on improving the economic situation for, 
for our citizens. Um, she announced a package of tax cuts last week. She said she wants to reduce taxes and curb inflation by, I think, 5%. Um, this has caused the Bank of England to intervene. It's, it's caused a little bit of a skirmish um, where she trust said she wants to work closely with the Bank of England and the Treasury Department, but the Bank of England is an independent entity. So we'll see how that works out. It also sounds like in Italy, um, it sounds like the LGBTQ lobby is is pretty pretty strong there as well. And she is absolutely has come out against that, which I think is I think it's pretty brave of her to take a position like that, given, you know, how the woke ideology uh, that's like sort of infiltrated across the world at this point. Um, And I I think it was kind of I like the fact that she stands up and she really stands up for for her for these kinds of beliefs, whether you agree with it or not is is another story. But I just think that it's brave of her. And I think I also found it a little bit humorous. I got to just throw this in there that Hillary Clinton was like so excited when she was asked about Maloney. She was she said, I just think it's great that they finally have a woman. <laughs> you know, oh. clearly, clearly she didn't know anything about her because she is the antithesis of Hillary Clinton. But <laughs> um, that I thought that was kind of kind of cute. Anyway, I, I just like the fact that um, she also is very she's like, you know, religion, country, family. I mean, she is all about the kind of values that I would like to see more of here. And I really hope that I hope we get somebody on the Republican side who can speak up like that. Well, you know, you mentioned um, her being a populist and she is a populist. And, you know, interestingly, President Trump was also a populist. He was all for America and and for the people of America. So I don't see that it's that much different. Um, As far as her LGBTQ stance, she, you know, Italy has a very, very uh, liberal kind of social attitude towards them. They, they, They have no uh, argument with people being gay or trans over there. But what they don't want is they don't want it kind of shoved down their throat like in their schools and so forth, like we are doing here. And uh, same thing with, with abortion. She is uh, pro-life, but she is not going to tell them that they cannot have an abortion. But she, she herself is pro-life. So I, I think that, that both of those things are good things. And I think that we can absolutely emulate both of those things. The Supreme Court here did not say that you can't have an abortion. The Supreme Court said it's up to the states to decide and the people in those states. So I, I think that her attitude is really, really reasonable. And if, if you compare it to the United States, I think the Supreme Court was really reasonable. But I think that the people are ill-informed um, and not understanding what that ruling meant in the Supreme Court. And therefore, we have all of these people protesting and taking violent actions against pro-life centers. Just building on your point on on abortion, I find it so interesting that, you know, I I think what people fail to mention is that America, you know, prior to the most recent Supreme Court ruling, had some of the most permissive 
abortion laws on the books. And most of the American electorate feels somewhere, you know, in the middle, um, you know, was really unrestricted. And now, as you said, it's going to be left up to the states. But in Italy, for instance, abortion is only legal through the first 90 days of pregnancy. I think I read somewhere that um, almost 70% of Italian doctors oppose access to abortion. So in many ways, Italy's a very conservative, you know, Catholic country. Um, you know, I, I think China and North Korea are the only other two countries that had abortion laws similar to, to America's. But it, again, you mentioned people are just ill-informed. They read the headlines. They don't dig deeper into, you know, what laws on the books do these other countries have regarding abortion? In most cases, they're much more restrictive, uh, you know, in with abortion than our own country. Yeah. Well, they, and Italy is a very uh, family-oriented country. You know, they people tend to live in the same house for their entire life. The house that they grew up in, the house that their parents grew up in. That they, they really have very close-knit ties to their uh, small villages and communities there. And, and I really, really like that about Italy. I enjoy going there. I feel very comfortable uh, in that atmosphere. And, you know, there, there's often, I don't know, last night, I, I live in a very safe place, but last night I'm driving home and I'm debating in the dark if I want to stop at my, my mailbox, um, which is a couple of miles from my house in the dark and get mail. And even though we haven't had any problems, I decided not to, I said, I'll go in the daytime because uh, especially with all the illegal immigration coming into Texas, I have to worry about things that I haven't had to worry about before. When I'm in Italy, I really feel quite safe and everybody knows everybody in those towns and villages. And, and it just makes for a comfortable feeling. And I, I just love that the families remain close there. And I, I wish that we had that still here because we used to have it, but it's, it's, the family's been really pushed aside in, in America. And I think that, um, well, I, I, my feeling is, and, and if you look at Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals, if you can destroy the family, then you can destroy the country. I mean, you cannot destroy a country or take over a country where you have strong families throughout it. And that's, that in my opinion is the goal. I think that's interesting, you know, just talking about that, the family situation, I have just noticed, and this is not to, not to, you know, shift the topic, but I do have to say that I have noticed more and more and more people starting families without being married. And I wonder what that does, what does that do to the family system? You know, does it destabilize it? What are the ramifications of that? You know, because it is true that the family is, that is for sure, you know, the cornerstone to, to the culture here. Um, but I think that Maloney is going to, she's, the fact that she's a populist, I think that she is, I think she is in a position to like really, really strike some change. And it would be interesting to see if that does, you know, sort of become more pervasive throughout Europe and certainly here. But I wanted to ask you, Linda, when you were there just for like three weeks recently, did you feel like the people really were behind her? Did she have a lot of support? Because she didn't win by that big of a percentage. She doesn't really have a coalition yet. Well, I felt that the people that I talked to 
that, you know, Italy changes their government like people change underwear, literally. I mean, they change all the time. They have had so many different uh, versions of government over the years. And um, I don't remember how many, but just so many that they kind of just accept what comes along. But the people that were more politically savvy there, they, they really were for her and they really want the change. And then other people that I talked to kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, um, well, whatever happens, happens. It changes all the time here anyway. It never matters because, you know, in a year it'll change. So it, it will be interesting to watch this. Uh, the big picture for me, Arit, is that not just one, not just two, but in five places in Europe, they went from a very left-leaning socialist type administrations to conservative just very recently. And that's a trend I'd like to see continue. And I'd like to see our United States get right back to that, hopefully uh, move in that direction in the, the elections upcoming and then move further in that direction in 2024, where it is about family and God and uh, economics and the things that are important to keeping our country together, the safety of our country and the, the security of the people. You know, I, there's just so many issues involved here, but I think a lot of it has to start with strong families. Well, there certainly does seem to be a red wave sweeping through Europe. Uh, usually Eastern Europe has been known as, as sort of the more conservative block of Europe, while Western Europe has, you know, in the last few decades, uh, really been associated with more of a left-wing politics. You see uh, illegal immigrants uh, coming into their countries. Uh, while Eastern Europe has been able to try and stave off the illegal immigration, Western Europe has, you know, has not. Um, and anti-Semitism, you see, has you know, been pervasive in Western European countries. And while Jews, for the most part, are feel far safer in these Eastern European blocs. With the United States, we'll see, you know, Trump hasn't announced anything yet, but I have a feeling that, that this will shift to the United States, this red wave. I know the Democrats are hoping the abortion issue will galvanize more liberals to, to the polls, more liberal women, but I think suburban women are concerned about pocketbook issues. Uh, they're concerned about inflation, the price of groceries. They are worried about safety, um, the safety of their children. Uh, I know I'm worried too, just to while you emphasized family, I see now what's, what's going on. And we've spoken about this before with social media and everything that's out there. It's more important than ever that there's straw, strong family background to sort of hold everything together at home to to help ward off all of these influences from from the outside world. Hello, I'm Ben Marble MD and I founded myfreedoctor.com as a donation supported faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time.
spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. Now we invite you friends to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And I'm going to introduce our host today. Today we have Arit Tratt and Elisa Akrangold. And I'm Linda Martinelli. So thank you for joining us. And I'm going right to Irit with this subject that uh, we're all really interested in what is happening in Iran. Well, Iran now has been engulfed in, in protests, uh, protesting the death of Masa Amini. She was arrested and died after being beaten by Iran's morality police. She was 22 years old. Uh, this occurred on September 16th. Girls from puberty on must cover up um, and wear a hijab covering their hair and they must wear it properly. She was uh, visiting from her Kurdish village. She was in Tehran in the car with her family when she was pulled out and, and beaten by, by the Iranian police. Uh, Iran's President Raisi has said he was saddened by the death. Uh, but, you know, we all know it was the IRGC, the morality police, who beat her until she was in a coma and later died. Uh, so far, the protesters, 76 protesters have been killed, although people are claiming that the number is far more. More than 500 protesters have been injured. Um, under Iran's law, a woman not wearing a hijab can be jailed anywhere from 10 days to a few months. Uh, this is really galvanizing Iranians. They're not only women. There are many men, too, who are standing behind women, standing behind children and going out on the streets and protesting this oppressive uh, rule, Iranian rule. Um, and I'm really disheartened to see the reaction. You know, Biden said last week at the U.N. General Assembly that uh, we, you know we need to support the protesters, but beyond that, really nothing has been done, and his actions really mirror that of Obama's, who also rode out the wave of protesters uh, just to see see how things played out. Um, I have to say, you know, all these progressive women who are all about social justice and women's rights, Rashida Talib, Ilan Omar have also stayed quiet. I think they issued a few tweets 
expressing support for the protesters. But beyond that, they have done nothing. And where all where are all these liberal women who have always talked about women's rights and 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 women empowerment and now are not saying anything as Iranian women are being beaten on the streets um, as they protest this brutal beating and killing of a young girl. Oh, it's incredible, Irit. I The more you hear about this, I, it's, it's really an outrage. I mean, I cannot believe that I have we have not heard word one from the squad about this. You're 100% right about that. I mean, there is no freedom, no choice, no democracy for women in Iran. They are absolutely compelled. They have to, it's mandatory that they wear that hijab. It, that, that has been in effect for the last 43 years there. They ha- and they have been talking about it ever since, and they have never, no one has ever, ever stood up for those women. Um, so, you know, the fact that if, if they have a couple of hairs out of place, they will receive lashings, they'll get prison sentences, they, members of their family are kidnapped. I mean, it's, it is literally like, you know, it, it is the worst sin there if you do not have every strand of your hair covered um, and you're a woman. So I, I find it to be outrageous that we haven't heard a word from any of these liberal feminists in, in our country. Nobody is standing up. And in fact, I did see, I was very happy to see a nice long um, video of Israeli women all talking about their support for the women in Iran. And I, I found that, you know, a nice breath of fresh air to, to see, you know, other women and in, in other democratic countries standing up for them. Um, but it, it's like, you know, people, they say, well, if you want to wear the hijab, it's, you know, if you don't want to wear it, then, then just go somewhere else. But these women don't have a choice. They have to wear it. I do want to say also that I did find, I don't agree with Christiane Amanpour on too many things, but I was, it was nice to see that she refused to have the interview with the president of Iran because she would not wear the hijab. Yes, I saw that too. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie Stahl. Now, I think Leslie Stahl, I don't, she didn't interview Raisi, President Raisi in, in the state. So I think she had to wear the hijab, but she just greeted him glowingly, you know, that 60 minutes interview mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. um, placating him. I mean, it was difficult to watch. Um, so I was also happy that Christiane Amanpour basically said, We are in America who you don't need to tell me what to wear. And the interview was canceled. Uh, so, so good for her. And, you know, another, the, the Iranian police, they also threatened to take away the cho- cho- children from mother's custody if the mothers refuse to wear the hijab or are wearing the hijab incorrectly. I think it was the former ruler Ahmadinejad who ruled, I believe from 2005 to 2013, he really tightened the laws around wearing the hijab. And they haven't been, loosened since, uh, you know, in, in a part it, for punishing as punishment for these protesters, they're not only killing the protesters, they're responding to the protests by focusing their attention on the Kurds. Iran now has been engaged in shelling uh, Kurdish towns, um, and they believe are harboring these, these Kurdish Iranian groups, I think it's called Komala and the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iran. 
they're based in the Iraqi Kurdish area. And Iran, you know, has falsely alleged that it's a hub for the Israeli Mossad, and that's why they're shelling these towns. But now these these people are are fearing for their lives. And Amini happened to be traveling from her Kurdish town to Tehran when she was pulled out of her car and and beaten. It's, it's, there's, you know, there's a woman in here in this country, in the United States, her name is um, Masia Lenajad. She's an Iranian journalist and she actually has a a talk show on a, a Persian station. Um, she is, she is, she's like so outspoken against, um, the Republic of Iran. She's so outspoken against the compulsory hijab and she has been threatened to be killed here. She, her, they have arrested and kidnapped her brother in Iran because of her speaking out. She can't go anywhere here. Her literally, you know, her, they, they are out to get her. Um, so she she can't even um, she's being watched. She's like right now she's in an FBI safe house and she cannot even go out in public and speak to another person from Iran because they're afraid that she they're spies. And so she's afraid that somebody's going to turn around and kill her. So it, it's it's pretty amazing, at least to see that there's somebody here brave enough, a woman brave enough to stand up to this government. Um and, and to advocate for women's rights here. And it's just, it's really, it's shameful that we don't have any American, any of our American leaders here, any of these liberal women who, you know, are, would scream at the, the word Trump, you know, and now they, you hear nothing from them. You hear nothing from them over this. Wait, you bring up uh, Alina Shad, uh, the journalist, mm-hmm. and the uh, Khalid Medeev was apprehended by the NYPD back in July for casing her house. He was yes. hired by Iran to, to kill her. Yes. And police found a loaded AK-47. They found 66 rounds of ammunition. They found cash in his car. And she's been the target of, of kidnapping and assassination plots because of her activism against the Iranian regime. And you know, it's in, in assassination plots by, by Iran extend beyond uh, Ali Nishad. I mean, they've caught, Bol- you know, Iran plotting to kill John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. Yes. Um, so it's, it's they, and again, the Biden re- administration has responded by, you know, saying they're disappointed and, and saying that they're taking the Islamic Republic's threats very seriously. But really, they they haven't done anything except concern for Ali Nejad's safety, um, or and they've offered you know round the clock protection for Bolton and others. But this is a real problem now that Iran is taking their terror from Iran onto U.S. soil. Well, not, but not only that, the the people in Iran, for the most part, don't want this type of government that they have. And they're, they're so terrorized by the government that they don't stand up. And when they did stand up under President Obama, uh, he did nothing. I mean, that was the time that we should have jumped in there and, and helped them, but he did nothing. And so now they're doing it again. And again, we have a Democratic president who's doing nothing. And really, there's not, not even too many news stories. It's, it's not really something that's out there that they're talking about a lot. There, there just doesn't seem to be enough outrage about what goes on in that country. 
And I feel so bad because I have uh, friends that are from Iran and they live here now. And they say to me, why don't you step in and help us? You help other countries. Why don't you help us? Because we don't want this. And I, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, we, we're not certainly not people that can just step in any country and, and make changes. But when the people revolt, um, I, I think that that's a time that we can do more than we're doing. And the only comment that I have heard, and I admittedly have been a little bit out of touch having been traveling, was from the Biden administration that said, gee, I, I hope that this doesn't um, affect our our uh, nuclear agreements with them. Well, that's exactly why I think they are not uh, calling attention, too much attention to the protests, because they Biden, the Biden administration really would like to see the Iran nuclear agreement, also known as the JCPOA, revived. Um, and they are doing everything in their power to make sure uh, that nothing impedes the nuclear negotiations, which I believe are on pause at the moment um, as they work out uh, an issue about the IAEA investigating undeclared nuclear sites, um, which the U.S. insists that that needs to be part of any future agreement. But I've heard murmurings that maybe they're willing to take that caveat out and resume negotiations. Um, I mean, the U.S. isn't even negotiating directly with Iran. This is all uh, being done by between Russia. By the way, Russia is is a major player in negotiations, and they stand to benefit uh, quite a deal from from any agreement. Uh, I, I think they get something like a, a ten million dollar contract from building an atomic reactor you know, with any agreement. So while Biden, you know, will talk tough on Russia when it comes to the war in Ukraine out of one side of his mouth, he's letting Russia pretty much run the negotiations with Iran. Uh, and any agreement with Iran has major ramifications globally. I mean, they're the leading state sponsor of terror. Uh, any agreement on the table right now gives them a hundred billion dollars the first year in sanctions relief. And, uh, really has them with unlimited uh, capacity to increase their ballistic missile capacity. Uh, it really is a win-win for Iran. And while it puts every other country in, in danger, including I, America. They, they cannot seem to run fast enough to that negotiating table to get into that peace deal. But what I don't understand is why. Do you know, Iri, like, why do they want this deal with Iran? The whole thing about Iran is death to America, death to Israel, and the hijab. Those are the three tenets of Iran. So, like, what is, why do they want this so badly? I believe that Biden, like Obama, saw this as, as a, a realignment in the, in the Middle East. I think there was a peace and tablet uh, about this that said, you know, they believe that sort of shifting the balance of power um, and strengthening Iran to some degree would be an equalizer in the Middle East. Um, and they believe that to get to a certain point is, is to offer concessions and to be nice to people. And, and obviously that gets us nowhere. It, it just, you know, makes the world a more dangerous place. But I, I just believe Biden, you know, he, he said he says that he, you know, Iran would never achieve nuclear weapons capabilities under his watch, which, by the way, that's a very um, 
you know, distinct phrase under his watch, meaning he could strike an agreement that will basically, you know, give Iran nuclear weapons capabilities once he leaves office with the sunset clauses uh, within the agreement. Um, so, so again, this, this verbiage that he uses is, is very concerning. Did you say that we're, we were going to give Iran $100 billion for this? Yes, with the sanctions that, uh, you know, that would be removed, it would equal to, it would be equal to $100 billion the first year. Thinks, and then I believe it's, it goes up to $1 trillion over the next decade. I mean, this is, this will be a huge economic boon for, for Iran. Well, of course. And what do they use it on? Building nuclear weapons. That's what they use it on. I, sure. I, I just don't even understand this. We gave them plane loads of cash under Obama. And, and what happened with that? They, they just enhanced their programs. That's all that happened. They didn't improve their, their people's situation or, or anything else there. They, they gave it all to their nuclear military programs. So I, I just don't see why we would want to do this same exact thing again. It's, and it's also not, not, the money is not only used to develop their nuclear weapon program, it's, it's also to give to their proxy groups, their terrorist proxy groups in Yemen. Um, they're giving it to the Houthis, they're giving it to uh, their Hezbollah. allies in Syria, Hezbollah and Lebanon to spread their terror you know, worldwide. Um, so their nuclear program is one arm of their global terror network. And it's perhaps the scariest, but it's, it's not the only one. Um, it's, it's, it's just, you know, the world is, is asleep. We need someone like Churchill to, to wake us up and, and maybe these new prime ministers in Europe will do it, but, uh, we really need to get tough on Iran. People blame Trump. Americans have said, oh, well, Iran's nuclear weapons capabilities have advanced because Trump, you know, got us out of the deal. Well, that's not true. In fact, the Iran's nuclear weapons program, I think, um, there was some statistic in the Wall Street Journal increased 30% um, within the last few months. So it's only since, you know, negotiations have resumed and the clock is ticking and Iran's writing out the clock that it's given Iran the flexibility and the time to increase its, its program. Uh, exactly. And why can't we see that? Why can't we see that when they're dragging their feet like this? That, that they're absolutely working hard on getting their program up and running. The, the whole agreement is going to be not even needed by the time that we get an agreement. Although I'm not for the agreement that President Obama made, nor am I for the agreement that Joe Biden is making. Uh, I, th I think that, that Trump kept them under control better than either of those administrations so I don't know who, you know, we still have another two years of Joe Biden. So uh, that's a long time for us to have to worry about what's happening over there with nuclear weapons. And now that they've really buddied up with uh, China and, and Russia, uh, if I'm not mistaken, both of them, they're, they're kind of in bed with against America, um, then, then it's even more worrisome and they are providing uh, e equipment to to Russia to uh, attack Ukraine with as well. It's a it's a it's a terrible thing. I I really believe that you know if you're going to appease 
appease your enemies like this, you are going to create major havoc. There is over and over and over and time and time again, we have learned that appeasement does not get you anywhere. You have to show strength. And the only reason that you exactly what you said, Linda, that they sort of hesitated when Trump was in office was because he showed strength. He told them, don't, if you do this, I'm going to bomb you from here to, you know, you're going to be out of here. And that's, that's the only thing they listen to. It's the same thing with with uh, Russia. I truly do not believe Russia would have invaded Ukraine if Trump was in office. I, it's such a hypothetical, but I truly believe that that Putin would never have done that because he knew Trump would not have stood for that. But Biden, yeah. right? I mean, do you agree, Arit? Absolutely right. And by the way, I misspoke. Russia would would receive a ten billion dollar contract. I said million, ten billion dollar contract under the new Iran agreement to build nuclear reactors uh, in in Iran. And and you know, leaders like Putin and Raisi sense weakness. And when they sense weakness, you know, they're very shrewd. Uh, pu- you know, Putin and and Raisi, the Iranians are are playing out the clock. And they know Biden has offered concession after concession to to Iran. Um, The last one was the removal. While he won't remove uh, the IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps, from the terrorist list, he's loosened our immigration laws to the point where somebody who has you know an unknown terrorist affiliation could still receive a visa to the country. So it really renders his decision related to the IRGC moot. Um, and this is after these assassination plots have been uncovered. I mean, can you imagine any other country uh, finds out that another country is plotting to kill government, their own government officials would react with such, um, with such dismissiveness? I, I can't imagine. Well, I, I guess if it's, if it's sort of the enemies of your, your own government, in other words, uh, they're conservative people that they want to kill, then are, we're not paying so much attention to it in the administration. It is very worrisome. There, there are a number of conditions around the world right now that are, are really worrisome, and this is only one of them. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll at least turn in the right direction in the upcoming midterm elections and maybe have some people that can stop some of these things from happening and we'll we'll just have to see where that goes don't miss an episode of the ladies of liberty sound off subscribe to the podcast and for the latest news and inspiration join us back at americaoutloud.com all right you've all heard malcolm and the great dr peter mccullough talk about the pulvidone iodine based nasal spray cofix rx They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the CofixRx banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. 
Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code out loud. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Well, ladies, I have been watching all of the polls that have come out and I'm watching the, you know, all of the different candidates in the different states and with our upcoming midterm elections happening. What is it now? We're, we're maybe 40 days away or something. Um, the question is looming. Are we going to actually see the red wave? And I have to say that I 100% think we are going to, um, Although if you look at any of the media outlets that are that are liberal media outlets, which are 98 percent of them, you know, they're constantly their headlines are constantly talking about how the red the red wave is receding and it's turning into a rising blue. And, um, you know, the chances are fading of a red wave. I don't think so. I think that they are using the media to to try to um, brainwash people and get them to, to think that the red wave is not the populist way to go these days. Um, but I 100% am predicting that we are going to have this red wave in my very, very liberal enclave where I live in Connecticut. There was a little, uh, a car parade yesterday of cars driving down the main Avenue with American flags, with huge signs saying we've had enough vote red. And that was a big thing to see in my little town here. So I do think that we are going to see that. Do you guys agree? I hope so, Elisa. I hope you're right. I mean, here in New York, a poll just came out. I, I know it's you know a governor's race, uh, but showing Republican Lee Zeldin within striking distance of Governor Kathy Hochul. I don't know how anyone would go to the poll thinking New York is in great shape and let's you know vote for Kathy Hochul. Uh, you know, crime is rampant in the state. Um, and he just has to win, I think, about 35% of the city to really it's the city, which is, is, is the issue. Because when you look at the boroughs outside of New York, uh, they tend to be red, Staten Island, Long Island. Um, they're not as blue as the city. So, you know, we're hopeful here in New York. Uh, I think, you know, some of the other races are are looking good, although I, I was, you know, Disappointed to see, I think uh, Republicans uh, withdrew you know, some money out of the Arizona race, Blake Masters, um, where I thought that race is closer than than many have predicted. I think that's a race to watch out for, even though I think many in the party have have dismissed it as as being a foregone conclusion that Kelly will win it. Um, but I, I think there are a lot of uh, races there where where we're going to see, you know, the GOP candidate come through. You know, the ones I'm watching are uh, Dr. Oz and I'm watching the one in Georgia with Warnock and Herschel Walker. I, I just, first of all, he's, he's backtracking on all of his positions towards the end of the race, which is really tells you that he's just doing that to win the race, that, that that's not his real positions. And I don't respect that. Secondly, he has health issues, obviously, uh, that people have chosen to overlook, and that's their choice. But I just can't imagine why anybody would vote for him. And I don't think Dr. Oz was the best candidate to go up against him. But if you're just talking about values and uh, 
not defunding the police and not having no cash bail and not letting criminals out. Uh, this guy doesn't think that people should be in jail at all. So I don't understand that because Pennsylvania has had huge crime problems, huge murder problems. Why would you want to elect somebody that doesn't want to punish people for these crimes and wants to let them out and let them do it again? And, and in Georgia, the same kind of situation where, where Warnock uh, just, I, I just think he's a horrible senator. And I, again, I am, I don't think Herschel Walker was the best person to put up against him, but here's what I think about Herschel Walker. I think he's an honorable man and I don't feel that way about uh, Warnock. So I think at least I would rather have an honorable, honest man in, in the Senate than I would like to have somebody who's, who's been quite dishonest in many ways. So those, those are two races that I am surprised that the Democrat is still showing ahead. Now, I, one more thing. I was listening to a pollster, a very interesting pollster, who kind of said what you said, Elisa, that people are not, Republicans are not responding to the polls and that the numbers for Republicans are going to be much bigger than what the polls are showing right now. And that was also the case with Donald Trump, you know, when, when Trump was elected. So I, I don't, you know, I don't know who to believe. And that's always the problem is that we listen to the media and that's all that we have to listen to. But the, these pollsters are really giving me a lot of hope for a red wave. And I agree with you, Arizona is so, so important. We, we've got to get uh, Kelly out. And right now he's leading, which surprises me because he's he's been you know, pretty poor at, at his job there. I'm doing everything that I can do to um, just tell people the message as best I can in my own circle of friends and family. And I think that's what we all need to do. We, ca we can't keep it to ourselves. We have to share the information, encourage people to get out and vote and vote red. I, I want to pick up on what you said about Herschel Walker, because I think a few weeks ago, he had a piece in the Wall Street Journal where he was very upfront about his struggles um, you know, with anger management going back some years um, and how he blamed the Democrats for really turning it around on him, where he has, you know, really came forth and was honest with with his uh, with the electorate on, you know, his struggles. And I think he should be commended for that, um, where he took a somewhat embarrassing period from his past and was willing to to share it with everyone and, and was honest about seeking help. Uh, I agree with you. That's why I said he's an honorable, honest man. And, and Warnock has the same issues, but he's not honest about them. Right, right. And, and I think there was a, wa a recent Washington Post ABC News poll um, when asking voters to pick the most important issue. 26% chose the economy, where only 22% picked abortion. So this, this feeling among Democrats that abortion is going to energize their voters, it may to some extent, but at the end of the day, like I said before, people are going to vote on the economy, on inflation, and, uh, and on crime. Uh, those are the most important issues to voters. And I find it, it, what I find so fascinating about the Pennsylvania race is Fetterman 
he he really does not look like a progressive or act like a progressive, even though his policies are all to the left. I mean, he's this you know big stocky guy in a in a hooded sweatshirt. Uh, he, it's I, I find it so interesting um, the race so interesting. But I think I think voters in Pennsylvania are honestly concerned about his health issues there. I mean, he he hasn't fully recovered from his stroke and. To be a U- U.S. senator, you need a lot of energy. There's a lot of traveling involved. Um, and I don't know, you know, if Pennsylvania voters at the end of the day will think he's up for the job. You know, I have a quick question for you, Irit, because you're mentioning, and I don't know what the polls are, so I'd love to know on uh, Hochul at this time. But what I read when I was in Italy was that uh, Hochul was hands down going to win that election. And and you're not seeing it that way. I think, well, the polls, look, some polls for the last week had her up by 14 points. This last poll, you know, had Zeldin within six points. He was six points behind, but he was still within six points. Um, the truth is, I haven't seen him campaigning so much in my area in Westchester County. I think it's because it's an overwhelmingly liberal county. Uh, so he probably figures he can only get you know, so much support from this area. Um, but, uh, but, but I do believe we have a shot at, at getting a Republican governor in New York. Uh, Hochul has not, has refused to fire the DA, Alvin Bragg, who's responsible for this revolving door of criminals. Um, you know, no one is being arrested in, in New York. They're committing crimes and they're back out on the streets again. And Eric Adams, you know, to his credit, has tried to put more police on the streets and, and you know, on subways, but he can only do so much. If these criminals are, are not facing any consequences, they're just going to go back out there and commit the crimes again. And it's on Hochul to fire these, these progressive, um, this progressive DA and, and, you know, to, to get some, uh, to put some calm back out on the streets again. She, you know, Adams can only do so much. It's really in Hochul's hands. And I think voters are going to understand that at the end of the day. I completely agree. I think crime is going to be the economy for sure. Crime is, is absolutely next. And I think immigration is potent, you know, potentially the third big issue that people are just so angry about. I think it is so insulting that the Democratic Party, our vice president, they all get up and say our border is secure. How, you know, it's almost like it's an insult really to our intelligence that they do this. And there has never been more fentanyl terrorists, human traffickers coming in. This is all, it's all pouring into our country. I had to absolutely, I, you know, I just found it so humorous and so smart for Ron DeSantis to send 50 you know, illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Those people were out of their minds. They put them on a plane faster than they could even say goodbye and sent them off to a a military base in Cape Cod. They couldn't even imagine having 50 immigrants. They didn't know what to do with them. And yet they have zero regard whatsoever for the millions pouring into the small towns in Texas that have to absorb these people. So, you know, I think that people see the hypocrisy on this in this whole thing. And I think that Americans are smarter than this. And I think that they are going to, I think we are going to have that red wave based on these issues. These are important issues. So I have to tell you that Martha's Vineyard has a sign when you enter it that states that it's a sanctuary city 
that they they don't discriminate against anybody, that blacks are welcome and uh, LGBTQ, everybody's welcome. They love everybody. Uh, illegals are welcome. But look what they did as soon as they got there. They, they just went into a tizzy. And I was, at that time, I was on vacation and I was uh, on a boat and I was having dinner next to a man from Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> and, and and he said, you know, um, I don't know what the big deal about the immigration thing is. We we just we don't have any problem with it. I mean, it's not it's not an issue. And I just oh, I gave him a huge piece of my mind very politely um, and explained to him exactly what the issues are. Come to Texas, sir. Come down and take a look at the border, because these people are not staying in Texas. They're going to be up in your state pretty soon. And she, and the next day I said to him, I saw him and I said, you know, what a difference a day makes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it was just, this, it was just so rich that they have Perfect. no idea. Yeah, they have no idea. No, I, it just, I just found it to be so funny that, you know, that, that these people were just out of their minds in Martha's Vineyard. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And it was just, it was the epitome of irony. And well, even Eric Adams doesn't know what to do with them. And, and he's does, a sanctuary city. There does Muriel Belzer. None of them do. No, they no. don't know what to do with themselves. So, so is it just virtue signaling to say that you're a sanctuary city, but you don't really mean it? Uh, yes, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, of course they don't mean it. Although, you know, they, they don't have any problem letting their criminals back out on the streets. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's, I think the red wave is coming. That's my prediction. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 